Welcome back, nature lovers, to another episode of the Birdie Bunch podcast. Now, before we get into anything, make sure to check out on our merch store, just as we've continued to plug, the new piping plover design for our Wild Chicago episode. We may have mentioned it before in the past, but in case you're new here, Wild Chicago is an episode we did about Chicago-based conservation, and to do so, we're partnering with Bob Dolgan, a filmmaker out of Chicago who runs a blog titled This Week in Birding, if you'd like to check it out. And we are partnering with him to provide closed captioning for the releases of his Monty in Rose documentary. Actually, the sequel to the first one that he made. If you'd like to go check that out, make sure to visit www.thebirdiewatchpodcast.com and go to our Teespring store site that's linked in there. All the proceeds will go to that closed captioning. The documentaries drop September 4th and September 6th. So if you'd like to get on those as well, go check out Bob Dolgan's stuff. But you know, with all that merch being plugged, uh, let's get into it. All right. Howdy there, nature lovers. Welcome back to another episode of the Birdie Munch podcast, where we talk everything conservation, education, and fascination, no matter how friggin' stupid it is. My name's Matt. I'm one of your hosts for today, and joining me are my two, you heard it, two good friends and co-hosts. I'm CJ. And I'm Brittany. That's right. We've got our new co-host. She's returned. You knew her. You loved her. And now she's back. Make sure on social media and Instagram, because we're going to post about it. Welcome, Brittany, to the pod. We're super excited. This is going to be a lot of fun. We loved having her on when she was a very special guest, and now she's going to be a very consistent special guest. So thanks well, so much. Consistent special guest. You just mean co-host. We are super excited. Brittany, how you doing? This is our first. How you been as a member? Yeah, yeah. How you Tell, doing? How you been? Talk How's to your us, life? Brittany. What have you been up to this week? You had quite the crazy summer, haven't you, my friend? I have. I am, first of all, so excited to get to be part of the Brady Bunch podcast. Um, I'm just screaming internally and doing little dances. Um, but yeah, I'm doing really well. This whole week has been kind of crazy for me. I just moved out of Illinois and now I'm in Missouri. Um, hopefully it's not misery, but uh, so far so good. <laughs> so uh, loving my new house and my new job and all of that. So it's been a pretty fun, exciting week. And now that I get to be a part of the Birdie Bunch, it's even better. That's all so right, exciting. Adam Levine. We freaking love that because you are in misery. I get it. <laughs> I get it. That's very good. I might put that, that underneath good. when Brittany said I'm in misery. I am in misery. I, I really hope not. They no, do. Like they say it all the time, and I'm like, Brittany, hey, I'm gonna do it. Brittany, I'm <laughs> gonna do it. <laughs> to be fair, has anyone said good things about Illinois before? Like, no, no, <laughs> corruption. Okay, but like, Mobster. however, we are We're like the, the Delta variant of the capital right now here in Ooh. St. Louis. Oh dang, capital the yeah. Delta variant. Whoop whoop. Woo! Okay. Wow. Matt, to, all you our Saint, to all of our St. Louis <laughs> listeners, we're sorry. <laughs> we actually do have a pretty solid following in Missouri, Brittany. So maybe don't. Really well, know. I live here now, so I can see <laughs> all I want. That's you know what Which makes a good point. This is this is fair. And valid. Like I'm pretty sure our following in Missouri is just like you. Hey CJ, how are you this week? Thanks, Brittany. I'm doing pretty good. My birthday was last week, so I'm I'm freaking flying high. We're back in person with work, which I don't particularly love. But uh, we're we're doing the best that we can, doing the best that we can. But yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much all that's been going on with me. I'm really I'm really glad that you're here, Brittany. It's really exciting to have another co-host, mm -hmm. as opposed to just Matt to bounce ideas off of. But I'm glad hey, there's a third person here. Hey. Anyway, let's jump into our first segment for the day. I'm <laughs> doing oh, great. How are Matt, you? How are you? Oh, Matt, how are Matt, you Matt I already gonna... asked you how you were, pal. No, but we never got into it because then we talked about St. Louis. No, you Jack said you Cross. were going on vacation. You mentioned nope. it already. That was last episode, CJ. You, you blended sure? the two. Yeah. Yeah. He has yeah. not gone. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, anyway, Matt, how are you doing this week? I'm fine. Work finally slowed down. Like, for the love of God, it was six weeks of camp in a row. So, like, feeling good. Came out the other side almost oh, fully alive, almost unscathed. Well, I'm glad that you were almost unscathed, other than all the injuries that you sustained. 
Oh god. Yeah, it was honestly like life, liberty, and the pursuit of like I don't know death or something. So I mean, to be fair, it's been a rough go of things. But I'm excited to be going back to Miami soon. Um, grad school. Yeet. Back in Ohio. Grad school, baby. Yeet. All right. With that said, let's like head into a creature feature, y'all. <laughs> Alrighty, so today's episode is a little bit different. It's going to be a tier list based on really what I consider to be crappy animals. And one of the crappiest animal types that you can get is extinct ones. Sometimes humans have caused it. That's very, very true. And in that case, I'm sorry, all y'all, I'm not lumping you into this. I'm not stereotyping extinct animals. But like, as a principle, extinct animals were crappy because if they weren't crappy, they wouldn't be dead. So I figured to fit with the theme of crappy animals. Why not talk about an extinct animal that also fits in with what we're talking about later? This is going to be a creature feature on our second ever extinct species. You may remember from the Spooky Bunch, we did a seal that was extinct. That's one of those ones where it was like, oops, our bad. You're not included in this. But today we're talking about Basilosaurus. So Basilosaurus is an extinct species of whale. And it's not really a species, you know, with those prehistoric things, they're actually usually the animal names that we come up with are actually genus names. So like Tyrannosaurus Rex, Tyrannosaurus is a genus. It's a group of different species and Rex being the species name or like Triceratops. That's a genus. That's not a species. So that's something you should actually kind of know about prehistory because a lot of times it's much less narrowed down than we think. Like Triceratops wasn't just one dinosaur. It was like a whole group of them that were all basically Triceratops. So it's really interesting, but Basilosaurus is a genus name meaning king lizard. Now, I said already that this was a uh, an ancestral whale. So king lizard is obviously a bit of a bad name, and that kind of filters in as to why Basilosaurus sucks. So when the Basilosaurus was first described... It was first discovered in the United States. The United States, a lot of it actually used to be ancestral ocean, especially where we live in Illinois and I think even Brittany down in uh, St. Louis. That kind of Midwestern region actually used to be an inland ocean. A lot of where we live now was underwater. Same thing with where I live in Cincinnati. A ton of the fossils that we find are actually aquatic creatures. You don't find T-Rex or any stuff like that. And when they discovered... Basilosaurus, especially what they consider to be Basilosaurus satoids, which doesn't matter to me. They thought it was a giant reptile. So they're like, hey, Basilosaurus, King Lizard, this sounds right. <laughs> As people found out how whales evolved, you know, coming from, I'm not going to spoil it, but whale evolution as they kind of learned more about how whales kind of became a thing, everyone was like, oh, geez, like this thing isn't a lizard at all. Like it finally got attributed to that ancestral whale realm. And so it was determined to be a marine animal, a marine mammal, actually. <laughs> but because of the nature of science and what sometimes comes to be too much of a rigidity, the attempts at renaming the creature actually failed as zoological nomenclature dictates that you must use the original name given. So they can't go in and change this completely incorrect name because that's not how science works, apparently. Basilosaurus was actually one of, if not the largest animals of what is known as the Paleogene era. And it was a giant giant predator actually so those really massive whales that we see now usually tend to be you know aside from the sperm whale they tend to be filter feeders but basilosaurus had large conical teeth which also contributed to why people thought it was a lizard it sometimes was referenced as to looking like a mosasaur they were huge and long and had very thin tails and that it was like an apex predator. So completely different than some of those large whales that we see now, like the blue whale or all those other whales that admittedly have pretty similar body forms to them. 
um it was actually also and this is what what is really stinks about it it used to be known as what's called a waste basket taxon now when people are sorting in taxonomy there's a lot of taxons that you don't know where they go there's a lot of species that you're like what the heck is this thing and so when you have a species that you're like i don't know where to put this i don't know who you are i don't know who you're related to it's called a wastebasket taxon because it has no evolutionary advantage it offers no information it's just dead and you don't know what to do with it basilosaurus used to be a wastebasket taxon however it was able to be linked into cetaceans based on teeth actually and so really kind of one of those oddball animals one of those big oddball animals funnily enough it was up to 66 feet in length and i just figured it'd be fun to talk about it because it's like everything about it unfortunately sucks and like i'd like to change it but in 1834 they were like this thing is a lizard and unfortunately we had to still call it that so the story of the basilosaurus is one that should heed as a warning tale not everything is as it seems and that's why it's first on our list of animals that suck. I found that really fascinating as we, you know, we, we do find things fascinating here on the Birdie Bunch podcast. But I'm really hoping before the end of this episode, we come up with a better name for the episode than animals that suck. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think that would really catch people's eye? <laughs> I don't think that'll catch people's eye. You don't think so? That would catch me in my eye. I'd just be like... Animals that suck. Number one, octopus. They have suction cups. Number two... Mosquito. Mosquito. Uh, Vampire bat. Number three, vampire bat. Number four, a sucker fish. So then in that case, we are going to do an episode on animals that suck, right? Yeah, yeah, we have to. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm glad we're putting that together. But we do need a better title for this episode, is what I'm saying. Worthless beings. Nope. <laughs> we can just call it bad animals, a tier list. Anyway, let's jump into our next segment for today, which is, of course, current events. We're talking nature in the news. All right. So for... um. The starting off for current events, the first current event comes from The Guardian. Its title is UK government seeks to extend protection of ivory bearing animals. A brief summary is that in the UK, they in 2018, they had proposed an act. It's called the, the Ivory Act, and it is originally it was just covering elephants and banning all ivory products to help with poaching of elephants. They have now like reassessed the act that they originally proposed and have proposed two other solutions. So there's three possible ways of them wanting this act to kind of go out. And so the first one was is basically just to keep it the same, just having it be for elephants and just going forth with that. The second version is keeping the act to cover elephants, but also adding hippos to that. And then the other, the last one actually covers um, walruses, hippos, narwhals, killer whales, and sperm whales in it as well. Their reasoning for adding all these additional five animals is because they're afraid that once ivory, elephant ivory is banned, they're going to um they're going to see an increase of poaching of these other animals so um like for like walruses for their tusks um for both the killer whale and the sperm whale they're afraid of poaching for their teeth and the narwhal also for their long tusky horn and so um they want these animals to be put into the act to be Uh, protected with that fear that there's going to be some extra poaching after the elephant ivory is banned. So uh, the UK is hoping that the third option will be selected. That way they can set like an example um, for the world of like, these are what should be, this is what should be done 
in the name of conservation. And so um, we'll see, we'll kind of see what happens. Um, there's no, there's been no like resolution or anything yet, but this has been going on since 2018. So the act just hasn't been passed. It's actually a really extremely fascinating current event. Um, we've talked a lot about conservation and poaching and the illegal wildlife trade all over the podcast. I mean, our episode list is riddled with stuff like that. So not sure how I, missed that one but i'm very excited to go and look that up because that's a really groundbreaking thing if that happens the way we're hoping like that's that's huge so it's a very exciting thing to see unfolding um yeah it's always good to see people rallying around species absolutely it like i it's, it, i'm very curious to kind of like i kind of want to follow this a, along because like if it goes through with that third, even if it just goes through it all with any of them, just having legal protection over these animals is amazing. But to be able to get that third option through and it's covering more species is just phenomenal. So I'll be curious to see what winds up happening. Oh, that, that, that'd be huge. It'll be a nice thing to come back in. So my current event moving forward is from Manga Bay. I've hit there before. I will continue to hit it again. And it's an article by Michael Tatarski on August 5th, 2021, titled New Study Finds That Minority of Animals Host Majority of Zoonotic Diseases. This is really relevant, um, especially now given the COVID-19 pandemic that we're still in. Like, let me let me make that clear. We are still in a pandemic. Please, if you're being told to wear your mask, especially wear your mask, get vaxxed if you can. Let's get out of this together. But. In the midst of this global pandemic that's been highly billed as a zoonotic disease, and we're fairly, fairly positive that it is, this is a really relevant topic that, you know, we've mentioned before. I know CJ has done a current event on it at some point last season about the increased prevalence we'll be seeing of zoonotic diseases, but it's important to locate what species that these are coming from. And researchers found that only 26 percent of mammals in the wildlife trade housed 75% of known zoonotic diseases. And this is really interesting. You know, some of it stands to logic, right? Like a lot of these diseases, when they make the jump from primate to human, a disease in like a thing, like a reptile, reptiles having completely different biology from us, a disease would be really hard pressed to jump from that to human, just because the needs of that disease are being fit by the reptile and it's since it's so different from us that'd be a really hard jump to make but so it stands to reason that a primate would have an absolute metric ton of zoonotic diseases that can spill over into humans from them right they're the most closely related thing makes the most most sense the other species that are lumped in are ungulates carnivores and bats so all of those harbor 132 of the 226 known zoonotic diseases in the world, right? So about 58%. So you're looking at a small minority of species housing over half of our known zoonotic diseases. Ungulates also kind of make sense. Humans are in really high contact with ungulates, ungulates being things like cows and horses and a lot of those large herbivores. And since we have such high contact with those species, it also stands to reason that a disease could make that jump, right? A thing that humans never come across isn't going to give a human a disease because it never comes across a human. Carnivores, kind of the same thing, you know, especially a lot of housed carnivores. There's a lot of research, intimate research that goes on with carnivores. And bats is that one outlier that is really, I guess, awkward in a way. But when you look at kind of, the consumption of bats and like the the contact with bats in general it's it, it also kind of makes sense so a lot of these things make sense but it's important to highlight and this article talks about what species present a risk because first of all wildlife in general doesn't need to be avoided just because of the risk of zoonotic diseases i hear people talk all the time about bats as our good friend john would say and their prevalence of rabies, but only about 8% of bats carry rabies. These are myths that do need to be dispelled. Like these are things that when you begin to understand the way that the virology works, you can fight it. Like you can find solutions. And so it's important to understand, but it's also important to understand what species do present a risk to humans. 
because there are things you need to be extra careful around, right? Like we had a current event talking about how there were certain great apes and zoos that were getting like, if I'm not mistaken, COVID vaccines. And those are things that we have to do, uh, not only to preserve the other species, right? We don't want to get them sick, but to keep things jumping to us. And so all these kinds of things, it's a really, really interesting article that frankly, like, I'm not going to go fully in, but it's like really interesting to see how prevalent diseases are in certain species and how much that's has affected and will affect humans going forward with more contact that we have with them. Yeah, it's it's something that we've talked about a lot on the podcast before that pandemics aren't going away anytime soon. Obviously, we're still in a pandemic and it's very likely that another one can arise relatively soon, especially if climate change keeps moving at the rate it's going. For my current event this week, uh, it's from the wildlife.org or the Wildlife Society, and it's titled Eastern Monarchs Need More Milkweed. So current conservation measures for the monarch butterfly may be falling short, which is said by researchers who created this model to analyze how the butterflies are doing. Rodrigo Solisosa, who is a veterinarian and PhD candidate at Seaman Fraser University, first became interested in Eastern monarchs while working on his master's degree in Mexico. He wondered if conservation needed to be more focused in the area of the range where butterflies kind of wintered. He realized theoretically that it would make more sense to focus on the efforts of the southern part of the breeding range rather than the central or north. A lot of their conservation efforts right now are really being focused where we're at here in the Midwest or that Corn Belt United States. So in this study, Soli Sosa and his colleagues collected information on as many underlying dynamics as possible, such as climate change, precipitation, and milkweed growth, to create a model showing the relationship to monarch numbers. Previous models used for setting up restoration strategies measured the potential area for milkweed availability, but those models assume that number is steady over time. Solisosa said, in reality, that's not the case. And there could be lots of rain over one year and more milkweed, but with it being really hot and no milkweed the next. So this model really helped them determine whether or not his hypothesis about the South being more important for conservation. That hypothesis really turned out to be correct. They found that the current policy and goals fall short for the monarch butterfly. One of the current goals suggests there needs to be a 1.2 billion additional milkweed stems for monarchs uh, to have populations covering over six wintering hectares. But that assumes that each stem holds a certain number of monarchs, which in reality, monarchs won't use all the milkweeds as a result of, you know, whatever individual changes in temperature, you know, whatever. They're really picky animals. And this model showed that monarchs actually need between 46 and 96 more stems than they are currently being provided in the Midwest and central areas. Currently, monarchs only cover about 2.3 overwintering hectares, while the butterflies once covered 18 hectares about 25 years ago. So a really big cut down. Conservationists hope decision makers will use this work when developing policies or strategies to conserve the monarch, but government should really consider how social factors might affect conservation strategies. In Mexico, for instance, the government once kicked people out of the newly established monarch butterfly biosphere preserve to help preserve the insect in 2000. But people living there set fire to the land in retaliation, hurting themselves and the butterflies. It's really important to understand how people will react to the conservation aspects of these projects. And, you know, it's, it's really why community engagement is so needed in conservation. Thank you for sharing that current event, CJ, um, as well as you, Brittany, your first of the podcast this is a very exciting moment for you with that nature in the news, though. Let's close out some current events and head into the main topic for today. All righty, everyone. So for Brittany's first episode, um, we were very excited to kind of bring in something a little bit new to the podcast we kind of did a little bit of one with elliot just a week ago and frankly we had kind of so much fun with it that it seemed like a great idea we have an episode format where one person comes in and talks a lot and i kind of hate doing that because i hate talking at people so i figured it'd be really fun if we brought in a tier list now as we kind of alluded to earlier there are dumb animals in this world like i I love animals. I love zoology, but I'll be the first to admit that some animals are really crappy 
for a lot of different reasons and a lot of humans really being reasons. the biggest yes yeah, humans being the biggest and unfortunately also the least funniest so for those of you who don't know a tier list is basically you know we have a list of topics that we're going to talk about and discuss um i'll bring them up and then we'll all discuss what tier that we think that they go in um going from s plus to f essentially what we do is we rate where we think they lie within that tier list. So, you know, if you think something's really, really, you know, this kind of stupid animal phenomenon is actually amazing, it's going to go in S plus tier. If you think like, yeah, no, it sucks, F tier. Absolutely. So with that said, before we even get into any of these new ones, I was kind of thinking, what if we first came in with our Basilosaurus tier rating and the absolute travesty of the name that is Bastilosaurus, king lizard for a mammal. So, I mean, for me, I do love lizards and I do love mammals. I'm not as big on kings, but I'm pretty okay with lizard mammals. So I would probably rank this C tier. Okay, not that bad. Not that bad. I gotcha. So I think I will also rate it at a C tier because who doesn't love, like, a cool cryptid name because honestly that's just what it like they just mash two animals it does have, it does have big cryptid vibes yeah it does it does, it does. Yeah. but where it goes to suck is that it's not a cryptid so it's like dead. you can't and you it's can't, also dead yeah yeah it's also dead so like How good so could it, could it be a most, cryptid at most it could get C tier because yeah it's dead. yeah so I would put it at C tier as well yeah, you know, you actually almost had me at B tier. B tier. I'm not even gonna lie, like you almost had me there when you mentioned cryptids because that's kind because of it like, sounds like know, a cryptid. Yeah, yeah, like you almost you almost had me bring it up, but yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a it's a C tier, but it's, it's like it's just a, if it was alive, it would be B, B yeah. tier. It's but the fact that it's one. like dead, meh, C tier. It's just person dumb, you know? Like, that's really yeah. what it comes down to. Yeah. Person but is, is that on the animal, though? I think well, not so much on the animal, but, like, the, the surrounding thing to the animal, right? Like, sure, you know, like, what's, what's going on here is dumb. So this concept in the animal kingdom is dumb. Got it. What's our next one, Matt? Yeah, so I'm very excited about this. Our next one, we're going to expand it to whales in general. Now, we've done an episode... <laughs> um wacky evolution and we talked about some really interesting instances where evolution has gone really awry or odd within the natural world but i don't believe that we touched upon whales and whale evolution is really a highly fascinating thing right we saw hooved mammals right things related to horses species known as ambulocetus and stuff like that make this really slow gradual transition back to water after they went from aquatic reptiles to terrestrial reptiles to mammals only to then return to water however i think inherently there is something kind of stupid about the fact that like you had the ocean the whole time it was there she didn't go nowhere right you had ocean you had the water you were like, no, I don't want the water. And it's like returning to an ex from a really dumb breakup. It's like the Ross and Rachel plot arc from Friends, if we really want to be honest about it. And so, you know, the next topic that we're going to. They were on a break from being yes. in the water. Literally yes, all my relationships before my husband. <laughs> oh, Brittany. <laughs> no. No. I don't know, actually, but no. No. So that's our next Will instance. they, won't they go swimming, exactly. eat krill? What are they going to do? I know. Are so, they going to be each other's lobsters? Oh, that's a good joke. What? That's a friend's yeah. reference. It is a friend's reference because of the, they were on a break. I was that's more a of friend's... a full house boy. Get out of here. Whale evolution. I'm going to have to go like D or F, frankly. Like, they really just, they, honestly... One, I don't trust cetaceans. That's just ground rule. Don't trust cetaceans. So rule number two is bad evolution. So I'm thinking that's why I'm going deep. Oh, yeah, it's true. All right. So this may be controversial, but I'm going to go B tier. Oh. This is wild. Why? Be because A, like, 
they were just exploring, trying to figure out where they fit in best. I relate to that on a personal yeah. level. And yeah. so, you, you know, when when you, you've got the whole sea, life is your ocean, literally. And you <laughs> always think there might be something better on the other side. They saw everything. But then they realized that they could have seen something else. They went to go explore. I can relate to that. Can't we all relate to that? And then they realized they messed up. They no. went, came on back and they realized life was their ocean. And yeah, so but now, then they went back to the water again. Just make up your mind. I say yeah. choose. I'm committing to D tier. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. They figured out who they were. It's a beautiful journey. And also, like, just the amount of different types of whales there are. Like, you got the bad, like, bad boy orcas. Smart little Those like beanie belugas, That's like bottom of the belugas with their smart little melon noodles. Yeah, I know. Mm. I love them all. No, Matt, where do you rank whales? <laughs> okay, so first of all, let me just say the description of the evolution of the whale is really a beautiful thing by Brittany. This is why we do have her on. That was kind of I almost teared up a little bit. <laughs> um, I'll be honest, I can't <laughs> empathize. I've never gone back to an ex. Never needed to. Absolutely. Well, but good that for you. Said, no, but that said, <laughs> I you think look happy and healthy, Matt. No, not me. Cannot be cared to ask. You're married. Well, yeah. Now I I realized that like he was my lobster, but before he was, no, he was your ocean. My ocean, yes. Oh, that makes you the whale. Let's flip that. <laughs> 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 Well, I think well, well, well. Uh, I'm sitting at B tier. I'm sitting at B tier. B tier. Yes. The thing. Dude, did, did do I did I ever go back to an ex? No. Do I always enjoy watching other people go back to their exes? Because oh, so you're just it's here for the drama. Matt's here for the drama. Matt's here for the drama. It's like the Bachelorette, right? Like when oh, Matt like does when, love the Bachelorette. This is true. Yeah. Oh. When, when who doesn't that, love drama though? Exactly. Like, Only when it doesn't happen it. to you. Well, right, but even like at, looking back on it now, I can eat some popcorn and look at my own drama. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Drama's drama. It's good. The whale pops some krill into that baleen mouth. And <laughs> yeah. Ew. Bad visual. Zero out of ten. <laughs> Great, Matt. What's our next one? So the next species. All right, we're we're going from an instance to a species. It's well documented that I hate this creature. I think it's useless. I think it's a bum. I think it's a freeloader. I have a guess as to what this is. It's the giant panda, yeah. baby. <laughs> Pandas suck. All right. I'm going to start F tier. I, I, that's, no, you need, you need to give the context first. You can't give a tier before you give the context. Okay. Context. Pandas, bad. Why? So pandas have this whole slew of an arsenal. They live in this beautiful, you know, Chinese wilderness, right? They have this whole arsenal of things that they can eat. There's so much bamboo and there's there's life and there's all this stuff. There's bugs and everything. You know, you could be an omnivore like any other bear across the world. And you decide you're just going to freaking eat bamboo. And not only that, because bamboo is terrible nutritionally, first of all, terrible food. You only want one or two species of bamboo. So you have this whole forest of bamboo, okay? You're going to choose bamboo. Fine, go ahead, you know, be my guest, whatever. Now you're picking only one or two species of bamboo. So you've restricted the things that you need to eat to next to nothing, okay? And then you come at me and complain about not having any food because of habitat destruction. But in reality, you'll only choose one stalk out of 300. It's like you destroyed the habitat by eating it on your own. Here's what else. Pandas, when they're born... Are like the size of a jelly bean okay no species that large we all know how big pandas are no species that large has I any mean, business ever being that small in their life outside of the marsupials womb. I was about to say, outside of the womb outside of the womb technically they're outside of the yeah, yeah. they're outside yeah. of the room first technically get out of here with your arts degree let the scientists no. talk <laughs> technically outside of the womb but in the pouch it's unprotected and how do I know it's unprotected? Because mama pandas, after like not being able to breed for two years, they breed once every two years, yeah, oftentimes will just roll over their babies yeah. and crush them to death. 
Okay. So this species puts <laughs> itself true. on the endangered species list, completely useless, <laughs> and has the true. audacity to turn to me and say, I need your help. Here's the thing. This is true. F tier. May I provide a counter argument? No. I'm going to anyway. One, I don't counter convergence. One, they oh. have a cool thumb to help them hold bamboo. So I use it for other bamboo. Nah, I think that's rad. You can have a thumb. Bears with a thumb, that's sick. No. Fun fact, red pandas, not related to pandas at all, but also eat exclusively bamboo, have the same type of adaptation, which is convergent evolution, which I hate. But pandas are the cutest. Have you seen mm. a panda? Yeah. You probably haven't because China charges you like a million dollars a year to have them. <laughs> and, and is that to their benefit? I think that's on China. I don't think that's on pandas. Yeah, but here's the I can talk slander on China, but I won't because we have an international listenership. <laughs> so is there like a tier between C tier and F tiers or D tier? There is a D tier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's where I put whales is in D tier. Okay. I wasn't I'm, listening clearly. Obviously. Um, I'm going to put pandas in B tier for bear. Garbage. Go in the bear tier. Okay. Garbage. I'm very torn between a C tier and a D tier because I want to lean towards C tier just purely out of cuteness. I think you have to, really. And the fact that, like, every single time I visit the National Zoo, I will spend like an hour and a half just watching them. Yeah. They're just yeah. sitting there because they're stupid. Yeah, they're very dumb. However, the cuteness. I am going to put it in C tier. I have decided. However, Wonderful. Matt, I agree with you wholeheartedly that <laughs> they big stupid. I they're can't, really, I can't, really I cannot stupid. Argue. I cannot argue. They big and they they really just are asking to become extinct. It it just it just is like literally. However, it's a species without human involvement would have gone extinct on its own. One hundred percent. Anyways, garbage animal. I I cannot be swayed. Matthew, we're we're moving on past pandas. What is our next evolutionary terrible time? Alrighty, so next we have the nesting habits of the killdeer. The killdeer is a local. So, so the killdeer is a local species of bird to us. It's actually a fairly widespread species. It is a sandpiper, and it's well known for its raucous call of killdee, killdee, which is like killdeer. That's where it gets its name from. Um, you can find them really, really readily, though, in like suburban development, you know, which is kind of odd because you're like, aren't those usually like more aquatic birds? Well, killdeers can nest like anywhere. And usually when you get to the suburbia and stuff like that, their nest is ground. Like there is no nest. They like crap out an egg on like a sidewalk or a parking lot and it just sits there in the gravel and like they kind of just expect you to like know that they're there they're like look it you know i've camouflaged it but don't step on the egg please no it's camouflaged but please no you need to know it's there and then what mom will do because i think mom has kind of realized that like maybe i laid this in the wrong spot when a predator comes upon or anything she perceives as a predator, she'll run around pretending she got a broken wing and be like, oh, look at me. No, no, no. Look at me. I'm dead and stuff like that. And the predator will latch onto her, which that's really smart. So that lessens the blow a little bit. But like the, the sheer nesting of the killdeer is just so inane. They just lay the egg on the ground in like the middle of where everyone's parking. And then they're like, why'd you roll over my egg? How could you? So that's 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 the killdeer's nesting habit. The the killdeer uh for me personally is a species that I really like. Mm -hmm. Um I didn't know what they were when I first saw them. I think I was like 8. But like I've seen the killdeer do that behavior that it does with its broken wing and honestly that's like a really cool behavior even though it's obviously like a defense strategy um to protect its eggs. So even though it lays its eggs in a poor place, I'm going to say like A tier, maybe even S tier they do a good job of protecting their eggs even though they lay them in poor spots i just so think of the animals on your list here matt i'm gonna say ars tier i'm probably gonna go a tier i just think if you just didn't lay it there 
you wouldn't have to worry about it. It's just like you create your own problem. I do think there are no S tier animals on this list, though. No, there's there's one S tier. We'll get to it, but I I can see what you're saying. I like killdeer. That's one of those birds that I growing up to is like I know what this is and I can latch onto it. Um, so for that, I'll put it in B tier just because I think like I think you're right in that like it definitely has like a cool mechanism, but I'm also like you didn't need to do any of that. But like self preservation like they're gonna like be cool distraction like don't eat my egg but also then like that predator is then on them and then you're Mm -hmm. just like potentially having the same end result by losing a member of the species because now the predator is on you and like you could potentially die (laughs) so that's pretty stupid so i'm gonna i'm gonna say c tier because like I don't know what this bird looks like, so I can't add level of cuteness so into the factor. They're related to plovers. They're a mm. type of shorebird that has evolved not to live on the shore. So that's kind of cool. It's cool, but it's stick. Are you, I, I'm staying are, where I'm at. Are you sure about that? <laughs> Anyways, we can move on to... Let's go with the parrotfish, okay? Parrotfish are a large species of fish that patrol the coral reefs and they eat algae off of coral and that's pretty pretty standard they have a parrot-like beak which is where they get their name from they're oftentimes very beautiful fish much larger fish too got some cool colors however parrotfish are very unique because of two reasons so in order to set itself up for a nice night's sleep because fish sleep too the parrotfish will just excrete a crap ton of snot surround itself in it and then goes to bed so like it's in a little it's like if you were to sneeze your own sleeping bag like that's that's what we're talking about and then okay parrotfish are also very important reef fish one because they kind of clean off coral but also you know that parrot like beat every time they take algae they're not just picking off the little algae they're also chomping down on the coral coral being limestone that is kind of congealed by the species of coral limestone or sandstone or other stones like that and made into that shell so the parrotfish will chomp off a whole thing and rocks aren't digestible so what it does is then it craps out the rock as little gravel however parrotfish are super important to beaches because all the gravel that and the sand that washes up on the shore usually is just the parrotfish crap recycling back into so all of the beaches that you love like the black sand beaches i've heard are very well acquainted with that it's crap and then to go to bed they just like sneeze it's like you're gross dude get figured out so even though they gross even though they real nasty i'm putting parrot fish in s tier because of this one fact are you ready for this so there is a uh a construction equipment machine type of deal and i don't know what it's called but it literally is designed off of the parrotfish's jaws wow yeah because it's like so specially designed at like crunching things that it like was based on the parrotfish's mouth to like crush concrete so because of that one fact i'm putting parrotfish in s tier even though they gross okay I did quickly look them up because I wanted to know what they look like because I like knew they're something. Kind of wild looking. They're kind of wild yeah, looking. Really, they ugly. Hey. <laughs> well, got, I think they're beautiful. They're beautifully colored. Their faces are what my nightmares are made out of. Not a big. How fan. are you going to say that and work at an aquarium? How are you going to say yeah, that and work at an aquarium? Work in the ambassador department. <laughs> <laughs> she, she takes a little parrotfish for a walk. <laughs> No, I think, I think, but I will put them in B tier because, no, I'm going to put them in A tier because, like, being able to use your own body for protection, cool. A little gross, but who isn't a little gross? It's fine. Like, honestly, all of, like, the, all of the descriptions of the parrotfish just sound like a, like a Charlie Brown cartoon character, just like, like. (laughs) Instead of like the dusty guy, like the dusty guy, it's just like a mucus Like, yeah, yeah. So, um, for that reason and the fact that like just cool, a tier. 
I'm going to put it in S just because of that foundational part of a healthy coral reef system. Like I'm a huge, huge proponent of the coral reef. That's like you actually one of like, reef. I love, love I've always wanted to go. That's like my, one of my dream destinations just in general is coral reefs, all of it. So for that reason alone, but also like, I like fish and pretty fish. So pretty fish. I'm a fan. Even if you snot yourself to go to bed, like that's a little gross, but I'll allow it. You make up for it. That was so, a way to describe them. What's our next one? Yeah, next one, we're going to talk about the vampire finch. So the vampire finch is one of Darwin's finches. If you're not acquainted with the finches that Darwin used to kind of describe his theory of evolution, essentially there's a lot of finches on the Galapagos Islands that inhabited the main the the land of the Galapagos Islands in relatively recent history. So not super long ago, evolutionary, like relatively recent. They had one species that grew into like 13 just because there's so many diverse ecosystems on the Galapagos Islands that all of them fit these new niches. So some of them have large seed crushing bills. Some of them have thin insect catching bills. And it's like they've got all different types of bills. And there's a finch called the vampire finch that scientists theorize. Well, to go there, you know, they drink blood. That's why they're called the, the vampire finch. But what's really weird about them is that scientists theorize that what happened is that these birds kind of worked like cleaner asses. So cleaner asses are a species of fish that will pick off parasites of fish that swim up. They literally have like little car wash operations. Really weird thing. Could make a whole tier list just on that. But so what they theorize what happened is that these birds did the same thing with the boobies that were on the, the Galapagos Islands. So they would roll up and they would find the boobies and there'd be like ticks on them and stuff. So they'd pick off the ticks. But then inevitably what would happen is that when you remove a tick, ticks bury their heads. So when you pull them out, you get a little bit of a blood throw. And what they think what happened is that the blood flow, the finches decided that they liked the blood more than the tick that they had evolved to eat. So then they further evolved beaks because they were like, mm, let me just go straight for the base of the feather then and have evolved to now just eat blood. Like there's now, I believe the statistic is about 20% of their diet is just the blood from the boobies now. So this is a bird that went from eating bugs and like being very helpful to all of a sudden being like a horse fly. So very weird, but at the same time, I love it. So it's going in S tier for me. I think it's hilarious. I think it's hilarious that they were like, mm, you know what? This blood's better than the bug. So let's just go for that. I think that's wonderful. I mean, I, I'm a really big uh, Finch fan in general. So I do love a Finch. Uh, so I feel like even if it wasn't like, you know, you could just talk about Darwin's Finches and they would probably mm. go up high there for me. But this specific adaptation of just like, yeah, that blood real tasty. Um, <laughs> definitely, definitely S tier for me as well. This is nice. <laughs> Um, I think I'm going to put this one um, again in, well, I'm debating between A and S tier because I think like being able to evolve to be able to just like get the ticks and like that, I think that's really cool. So I think I'm just going to put them in S tier. Vampire Finch, welcome to our first triple S of the season, baby. I actually <laughs> might drop down to A tier because oh, I have a oh. question. No, maybe you, maybe you can answer my question for me, depending on your answer. Um, how don't do, they get all, do they get all the nutrients they need from the blood? Oh, they don't only eat blood. Okay. So what else do However, they eat? Um, see, that's what's kind of funny about the vampire finch, because it's like almost funnier. Fruits and seeds. <laughs> It's because, like, that's literally what it is, is, like, the islands that they're found on, like, oftentimes just dry up. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> they will take nectar and they'll eat just <laughs> random stuff. And then when there's no food, they're just, like, biting on some boobies. And it's like, what? That's so funny. And the funniest thing, too, is that the, the boobies just don't care. Like, of course like, they don't. They, they probably don't dumb. mind being bit. Yeah. The they also eat guano. 
So like they're eating blood and poop and so does that drop it or does that raise it? I think with that information in mind, I'm probably gonna stick with S tier, even though it's like weird, it's still good. It's funny to me, and that makes me want it more in S tier because like it's almost just like a weird cultural thing. Like they think they're refined. Because like admittedly, they eat what a lot of the other finches do, but then you get them walking as like, oh, I love I had the greatest booby blood just the other day. And mm. it's, like, it's like, wait, whoa. What whoa. kind of booby blood did you get? Did you have the nasty <laughs> blood from the blood blood <laughs> It's like, all right, okay. It's a little bit much, but okay. All right, so vampire champagne finch. It comes from the champagne region of France. Just it, like it's exactly. Only, only vampire finch uh, accessible if it's booby approved. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Vampire Finch, congratulations. You're triple S, baby. So, to end our little tier list, I know I referenced about 10 or something like that, but frankly, this is taking a lot longer, and it gives me time to go back and do another one of these, which I've found to be particularly Yeah, we can also enjoyable. come back and do this. You can continue up with a part two. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, this has been a ton of fun. I'm going to end off with a species that we've actually talked about on the podcast before. However, I would like to revisit... This species is known as the Aldabra rail. And the Aldabra rail has the curious distinction as being one of the very, 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 very minutely few species to have re-evolved itself. So the Aldabra rail is a species of small rail. Um, they're birds that kind of, they look like, water chickens that's all i can really really describe um and it's indigenous to the island of eldabra um right off of a bunch of larger island chains in the indian ocean and so the eldabra rail was a species of rail that was flightless there was no predators on the island of eldabra so they were just chilling right they're kind of like the dodo they were like mm, don't need to fly no more except the island just went underwater so, like, Aldabra rail, not a swimmy bird. So, like, they all went extinct. Um, the Aldabra rail went extinct. Then the island came back. And scientists found out where the Aldabra rail came from. Because it looks exactly like the white-throated rail, which is indigenous to islands in the southwestern Indian Ocean. And those white-throated rails can fly. They actually have been described by the University of Portsmouth as persistent colonizers because they'll just leave those islands. And so the white-throated rails landed back on Aldabra and then there were no predators. So they were like, hmm, I don't need to fly. And then you had the Aldabra rail again. One of the very, very few species to go through the process, as I mentioned, known as iterative evolution. It died, and then it was like, nope, not done yet. Bring me back. So with that said, I want to start off and put this in S tier because you can't keep them down. No, I think this goes bottom of the tier list. Stay down, Aldebar Rail. Stay down. F tier. All right. So this is a weird averaging that I'm going to have to do for Stay our average down. tier list. If you're going to go extinct, stay extinct. That's how the speciation works. No, I think that's baller. I'm, I, I just don't feel agree. like, to, I don't know if this is going to like help the average or not, but like, I'm just going to stay in a nice, easy middle ground and go with C tier because I do love an underdog. <laughs> However, for the sake of this average and to see what happens, I'm putting Other than the average, where would you put it though? Other than the average, where would you put it? I'm going to say b tier because if you can survive then you deserve to have a higher That's rating fair. honestly b tier is acceptable s tier absolutely not to be no, fair we did criticize the basilosaurus for dying and since this one did not die no, but it did die it did die but then it was like nope you can't kill me i'm already <laughs> dead <laughs> That's fair call an ambulance call an ambulance but, but not, not for me, for me. <laughs> but with that said that's our tier list. You'll be seeing graphics if you need help visualizing it or anything of that sort. Thank you to both of you for offering your input 
I enjoyed this a lot. I would like to make this maybe not a habit, but like a future thing as well. I think this is very yeah. enjoyable, very quaint. Listeners, if, if you enjoyed this kind of tier list setup, we kind of did one last week with Elliot, sort of, kind of, and we've kind of formalized it into an episode this week. So if you've enjoyed this conversation that we've had today, definitely let us know, leave a review. Um, on that note, let's move into our outro. Mm-hmm. So we have this little thing that we like to do where we talk about social media and Brittany. Yes. Where can people find you on the, 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 the social medias? So um, people can find me on Instagram. Um, and it is the Brittany underscore bunch. So T-H-E-B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y underscore B-U-N-C-H. And um, I will, I'll, I'm going to be starting to post regularly. And so it'll probably just be my adventures in St. Louis and going to the zoo because it's free and I love it. Um, and Great. maybe some, some fun um, guest viewing at the aquarium. So Love yeah. to see that. Love to hear it. Thanks, Brittany. You can find me on the social medias at cj.greco. That's cj.greco. And um, I don't know what I'm posting. Probably something relevant to bad evolution. Maybe a koala. Koalas have terrible evolution. Maybe I'll talk about that on my Instagram. So go follow it for more information on that. Matt, where can we find you on the social medias? Well, fun fact, koala was a species that I did actually have on this list specifically because they just all got, like, what? Chlamydia? Yeah, they all committed it. That's this is true. Yeah, yeah. So I was like that alone. I'm like, man. Honestly, koala is like a solid F tier. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. Animal. yeah. Terrible. Well, animal. here's the thing. For the same reason that the giant panda sucks. So. Mm. Yeah, but they're not even as cute. Moral quandaries and inconsistencies saved for uh, part two. However, you can find me on Instagram at Matt Valga. M A T T V is in Victor A L I G A. The Cubs broke up, and I'm sad about that. Other than that, yeah, he's been posting a lot about that. I'm I'm real sad. I'm, <laughs> Matt like told a, us a really sad story about the Cubs yesterday. So I yeah. don't know if we have that on recording, but if we do, maybe I'll release it as a long cut clip. Right in a bone of beef. <laughs> he really did. In a, right publicly in a bone of beef. So if that's a, if that's an audio that we have, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> if that's I an audio that, slightly in your pain. If that's an audio that we have, I will be releasing it. If it's not, I am just going to cut all this out. And admittedly, like. It wasn't like a little crying in a bone of beef. It was like, like it was a full on sob in a public bone of beef. <laughs> Luckily, Italian beef there, is already soggy. So is it's it not private like bone of beefs? Who's to say, Brittany? Who's okay. to say? Okay. Maybe I do. I don't think Matt rented out the bone of beef. Is what I'm trying to say. No. Okay. No. And you can all find us collectively at the Birdie Bunch Podcast on Instagram, as well as www.thebirdiebunchpodcast.com. There you can find all of our episodes. You know, there's the whole list. Bios about all of us, especially when Brittany gets me her bio. We'll get her set up for that. So y'all can meet Brittany and get to know a little bit more about her. Very exciting. There's also links to our merch store, our Patreon. There's links and resources of everything that we found in the podcast for y'all to peruse at your leisure. And specifically, we just want to highlight one more time on that merch store. We have the piping plover designed for Wild Chicago that donates to Bob Dolgan. Please, if we we don't normally like really like ask, but like if you have the money and you'd like to, please, 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 like we're really excited to be kind of fostering this partnership a little bit and just really excited to be doing such a positive thing for our local community that we've fallen in love with so much. So it's such a big honor to be even a part of it in the first place. And we're just really excited to be able to hand him some money for something that's so important for accessibility on the topic of the website. Another thing you can do is you can send in critiques and along the lines of that, leave us a review. You can leave them on Apple podcasts. If you leave us a five-star review, we'll actually read it out on the podcast. Leave us a review. We always want to make this podcast better. You can also tell a friend, you know, we have a lot of nature lovers who listen to this podcast and we'd love to have more. I consider you all a friend of mine. And so I like having more friends and it's just more people that we can build a big community to foster such positivity for conservation. So please consider telling a friend, spreading the word, letting people know about the Birdie Bunch podcast, your favorite nature lover podcast. You know, um, we're really excited to be able to still do this whole thing, even after we're not in lockdown. And it's such a lovely thing. So 
very excited about that. With that being said, does anyone have anything else they'd like to add before we wrap it up? I just wanted to say uh, excited to have Brittany here, and I'm yes. glad uh, that this episode went so well. Thanks, Brittany. Much fun. Yeah. I'm so excited. This was amazing, and I can't wait to just continue with both of you and getting to do this. So thanks. Absolutely. It's going to be a blast. Well, thank mm -hmm. you so much, Brittany. It's nice to be a trio again, I will say. Yeah, it's 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 good to have good to have the, the vibes back of three people, mm -hmm. which is very exciting. Happy, Matt, bring happy. us home. Say the thing. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Birdie Bunch podcast, listeners. You know, it was a weird time having two people, but you all came through it with us, and we're really grateful for that. We're super excited to have Brittany on for another episode, and you'll catch her and all of us next time. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Birdie Bunch podcast. We would like to thank Sarah Dunlap for designing our logos, Elliot High for being our writing and production assistant, and Connor Whitman for being our music producer. The mission of the Birdie Bunch podcast is to inspire an inclusive community for conservation by using education to promote fascination.